Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, of course, today is uh, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? What up? Yeah. This uh, is are we at this is 151 now or 152? Not only is it 151, Rob, but that's I would like a magic num that's a magic number. I would like to hey uh, Gary, just a, a side note real quick to Gary. Can you just check the the broadcast feed and tell me if we're uh if it sounds okay because it looks like we're peaking really heavy on that. I'm not sure why. Anyway, uh it's uh it's not only show 151, Rob. But it is the first show of the second se- of the third season. Something's not right on the live feed. Let's try this. Let's give it just a second. What about now? Okay, I think I think we got it now. Sorry about that, guys. I just stopped it and started it real quick, and it looks like we got something going. Okay, so uh, Gary, tell us if, if that's right or wrong. Uh, okay, so. Um, it is the first show, first show of the third season. That's right, season three. No, season four. I'm sorry, season four. It's the first show of the fourth season. Wow. That's what I'm trying to say. So so if this, for those who are going to have our DVD set, you go to season four, episode <laughs> one. <laughs> That's right. Okay, but 151 is interesting for other reasons. Why is that? There's 151 Psalms oh. in Second Temple Jewish world. Right there's a there's a Psalm 151 that's not part of yes. the Masoretic canon. They can be found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, exactly, and in in the early Syriac uh, translations, and I think the Septuagint. And does the Septuagint have a 151? I don't remember. Um, but also there's highly flammable rum called yes 151 Bacardi 151. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, plus. It is a palindrome, so it's the same forwards and backwards. There you go. There you go. I uh, well, and you know, look, Rob, we're we're coming up from lowly podcasters, yeah, to uh, to something greater. Um, I was recently published the twelfth issue, the fall two thousand six issue of Messiah to the Nations. Uh, this can be found not only. I mean, if you sign up for it, they actually send you. We had we have a stack at Heart of Messiah, and we just get, gave copies out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty uh, honored to be asked by uh, a fellow Torah Resource Institute student who uh, runs this, Ben Frosted. He's the one who has started this ministry. And he's, you know, for his, uh, he's writing his thesis at Torah Resource Institute right now. And uh, he, uh, he, start, he, he started doing a survey for, for, yes, for Messianics. Yes, he's got a survey. Yeah. So we want to get that 
that uh, link out for people so they can take. It's about 10, 15 minutes, I think. Yeah, survey. And, and actually, it's a good. So you can tell that he's trying to hit all all forms of uh, messianic. Is it the? Is it Segula? Is that what it is? WW. Let's take a look and see. Segula. I never actually looked to see what the. I just he sent me a link. I, I know that. It. I know that's what I did too. But I want to just see it so we can uh, steer people this way. Uh, no, this looks like uh, this looks like his own. His own uh, ministry now, which is good. Good. Segalod.net. Uh, he has advertised it on the back. I think it's okay that I share that. Advertised yeah. it on the back of his uh, of the Messiah to the Nations, which if you're not a uh, if you don't receive Messiah to the Nations, you can find it online. Uh, anyway, I was in the I was featured on the front page. My articles on front page of uh, Messiah to the Nations, which is a which is a real honor. So thank you very much to yes. Ben and to uh, Messiah to the Nations. That was. That was great. Okay, well. Uh, the, the, the survey is just www.themessianicsurvey.com. So www.themessianicsurvey.com. It's just all no dots, no dashes, T-H-E-M-E-S-S-I-A-N-I-C-S-U-R-V-E-Y.com. And there since this is the uh, lowest of denominators when it comes to media, a podcast, you can roll this back and type that in. Um, okay, our programmer is letting us know that we got a listener from Jamaica right now. All right, I love I love seeing the demographics. Speaking of rum, no wait, <laughs> right. is, is, it's a Caribbean, right? <laughs> no, no, man. Ah, okay, let's keep going. What do we got? We got a lot today. I got a lot of stuff, and I, to me, in my weird mind, it all fits together. Um. But I think to uh, to other people, it might not fit together in the same way. So we did Messiah of the Nations. So check this out. Have you ever heard of Torah babies? I, I vaguely, I've heard. So Torah babies put this thing out. I thought this was really interesting. Let's open this up and take a take a look-see here. We're, but, oh, I suppose we should tell everybody why we're, we're broadcasting on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, what's up with that? Are well, we on a different calendar now? No, Have we my... discovered an ancient calendar? Yes, that is it. We're going to stick to that story because I don't want to tell the truth. Well, my family is going on a very short vacation, and uh, we will uh, we're, we're going to be gone tomorrow. So uh, uh, we're pre-recording today, and then uh, we'll be back next week at the, our normal time with a with a live. Uh, and actually, if if you're listening to this live, you can go uh, to our Facebook page and find the link to the. Uh, to the chat join room. the chat room. Yeah, you can join the chat room right now. It's just our pro. It's just us, us and our programmer, uh, Gary. But we're happy to have Gary with us. Gary is usually the crux of the uh, of the chat room, anyway, right? Camel head hand. Camel yes. head hand. Yes, I should figure out what my paleo name is. We could all have secret paleo names. <laughs> okay, it's uh, Palm Goad House. Are you serious? Palm, like palm of your hand is yeah. a cough. Lamed is like a goad. What's a goad? Like a stick that you that a shepherd uses to. Did like... you just call me a goad, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and then a house. So you are, you're like, you're a person who has a a whip in his hand, standing at the doorway to a house. Palm goad house. That that describes me, pretty well. 
<laughs> I just got a text message from my buddy. He says, <laughs> he says, what's it like having a gangster for a father? <laughs> for that, for those who don't know. So there's like, uh, there's like uh reform thug life. Right. And then somebody decided to make a messianic thug life. And my, my dad was just saying, so you know, at the right moment, like right when he drops the line, all of a sudden the hat comes down with the gold chain. <laughs> I showed that to my wife last night. She was laughing so hard. All right. Uh, okay. Let's go to Torah Babies. Now, you know, this is reminiscent. A lot of people have done this. I wrote an article about a year and a half ago called Why I'm Leaving the Messianic Movement. And uh, there's other groups that have kind of hemmed and hawed over the the name Messianic and also Hebrew Roots. I would I would hem and haw over the, the name Hebrew Roots much quicker than I would over Messianic, but I don't like either of them. Um, so... I don't even know this whole why thing. Why do we need a why do we need a label? Because people want to know what we are. And here's the thing is that I actually am, I'm I know that, you know, my dad doesn't like this and I know most people don't. I actually am thinking about just going back to Christian. Well, you've been saying that for a long time. No, no, no but what I mean is that like it's easy I think it's way easier to just say I'm a Christian because pe- people look at me and like, wait, you know, all of a sudden then the disconnects. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, you're right though. Why do we need a label? Disciple. That's what Yeshua said that we should we should make, and uh, essentially what we should be. Right? Go therefore, make disciples, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. In a way, we're we're Jewish Christians. What I mean, and that, and that's what what uh, Gary just typed too. Jewish meaning you, you can be Jewish and not actually be halakhically a Jew because Jewish. It's like ish means ish, yeah, like. And what does that help? I don't know. I don't know if that helps. Torah-ish. <laughs> These guys have stayed off. Okay, so let's go back to Torah babies. These guys have stayed off my radar, and and uh, that's fine. I mean, I've seen a couple of things from them here and there. I haven't seen a whole lot, and, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so they, they start this article. They say, over the years we have grown, and many of you have grown with us, and the number of people in the Hebrew Roots movement has grown. Many of these people are kind, loving, and compassionate. But as is par for the course, the minority set the mood, control the narrative, and get their way. This minority in the Hebrew Roots movement are a cancer, and they are killing the movement from the inside. We fear that the damage is done, damage done already is too great to correct, and that the Hebrew Roots movement will eventually implode and die. Well, I mean, if we really want to split hairs, yeah, I would kind of agree with you, because I mean, are are we gonna, are we going to separate the Hebrew Roots movement from the Messianic movement? I think that the the biggest problem with the Hebrew Roots movement is that uh, there's little to no training, at least in the Messianic movement, and not that I agree with these people, but at least in the Messianic movement, you have guys in the uh, in the UMJC like uh, Rudolph, like uh, Kinzer, you know, these guys that I strongly disagree with theologically, but at least they've taken the time to try to get schooling. They're a part of the, you know, they go to the Society of Biblical Literature and and, uh, they, you know, they present papers. They're trying to do good academic work um, and they're being recognized by some some scholarly publications and whatnot. Um, Whether or not their, their scholarship is truly up to par or not, okay, we can... Uh, yeah, we can we can debate that. <clears throat> but uh, 
the point is, is that the Hebrew Roots Movement, essentially, you know, you got guys, when, when you think Hebrew Roots Movement, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Go. <laughs> Two House, Paleo-Hebrew, um, uh, Lunar Sabbath. See, for um, me, when people say um, he... Um, uh, that uh, Sunset, or no, Sundown, or no, what do you call it? Sunrise begins the day, Flat Earth... Um, yeah, so for me, uh, for me, when I, when people say Hebrew roots, the first thing that I think of is nonsense. Mike Michael Rude. Oh yeah, <laughs> Michael Rude or Monty, like, or Monty like, Judah, uh, gr Green Ears, Barley. Um, <laughs> what? You know, Wait. like the Green Ears. You know, like what? Counting, <laughs> not not using intercalation, or like that. We need a we need a uh, Spurgeon bobblehead. More. Your mom goes to college. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, no, but you're okay here. But maybe this is the thing. Maybe it's not a movement. Maybe what what it is is a shaking. It's a shaking. I saw someone posted today on Facebook. They said Look, another person. Yeah, was, I saw that. You know, denied uh, Yeshua or whatever. Okay. What this is? This is a shaking. It's a divine shaking. I, I feel like sifting. I feel like this is a you're channeling Jonathan Kahn right now. What do you mean a shake? Doesn't, doesn't he use the shaking in the in the uh, no, in the harbinger a, divine, a lot? A divine sifting <laughs> oh, of spirits. See, this is what spirits. this is what happens when we don't have anyone in the chat room and we don't think anyone's really listening. No, here, here's the thing, Caleb. Check it out. Okay, no, what go I'm ahead. saying is spit it. This is good. It's not a movement. It's it's where people's are, are being, it's chaff is being separated from the grain. That's the way I look at it. Oops, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I was not in the right program. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. I'm with you. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so people who are truly believed, those who have genuine persevering faith, they're going to they're gonna survive the difficulties, and they're going to work out the the problems. They're going to come to knowledge of the truth. Yeshua says, if you are my disciples, right, truly my disciples, you will abide in my word, right? You're going to obey me, and you're going to come to the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The people that don't persevere are never going to get to the truth, and they're always going to be slaves. They're going to remain slaves to the sensational Slaves to the hyper uh, advertising and the um, extraordinary, crazy claims like someone has an alien baby, you know, all this kind of Bigfoot stole my luggage. Kind wow, of thing, I don't know, you know where you're going with this. <laughs> just weird doctrines, weird sensationalism. So, okay, hang on. I, I want to go back to Tory Babies for a second because our friends, our friend uh, Ben Frosted, Messiah to the Nations, Ben Frosted, we're plugging him today, I guess. Um, he says this. Uh, uh, well, let's read the, the end, basically, of of uh, of the Torah Babies article. So they, they're going through. They're saying, oh, "We're tired of the the Hebrew roots, blah blah. Everybody hates each other. Uh, you know, the people, the minority that uh, are worried about all this nonsense. They're the ones controlling everything." So they say we have to separate the wheat from the uh, from the tares. So going forward, we will no longer put up with any negative comments about Christians, Jews, Messianic. Messianics or Christian, Christianity or Judaism. If your idea of bringing the truth to others is by being negative and shaming them for not seeing things your way, then your values and approach are not in line with the mission of this ministry. 
and no offense, but we don't want you around. Okay, so basically they're saying we're not going to allow uh, you know negative comments or any of this kind of stuff. <clears throat> I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if that's actually biblical. Yeshua and Paul certainly seem to have very strong words for people who are theologically taking people down the 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 primrose path to destruction. Serpents. Um, yeah, exactly. Whitewashed sepulchers. Um, yeah. What does Paul say about those two guys? They've wronged me greatly. Anyway, um, so uh, in response, uh, Andre Felipe, he, he posted this and asked Ben Frostad uh, what he thought. And Ben, in his very gentle and humble way, always has a, a very uh, good insight, and he's wise beyond his years. Uh, he says, interesting, it appears, by the way, if you post something on Facebook, I figure that it's free game. Uh, he says, uh, interesting, yeah, you're, yeah you're, you're consenting uh, to, to let the whole world hear what you have to say. Uh, he says, interesting, it appears that they are more about disavowing labels than disavowing the movement. While I don't usually use Hebrew roots to describe myself, I'm not sure how helpful the anti-label trend is. Well... Yeah, he's probably right on that, but uh, the problem is that event. See, I, to me, it's not anti-label. If you if you want to call yourself Hebrew roots, if you want to call yourself messianic, okay, it gives me a barometer of where you are. That's fine. Um, it's it's to me, it's more about how I want to first present myself to so, someone else. Uh, you know, someone that I don't know, someone that I don't know anything about their theology. What's the first impression that I want to give them? In my mind, first impression I want to give them is follower of. Yeshua the Messiah, believer in the sixty-six books of the Bible. Amen. Um, you know. Um, so anyway, he goes. He goes on. He says uh, uh, the problem is that eventually you have to come up with a replacement label. He's right, or someone else will come up with a label for you, and the cycle just continues. Anyway, I definitely see their concern. Their article just leaves me wondering: What are they leaving? Torah observance. So, and I think I think that uh, Torah babies would say absolutely not. I don't know the the ministry honestly. I'm, I know that a lot of my friends have uh, uh, gained things from the ministry, and I, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff even posted from them. So, anyway, um, but this brings up a really good question. And there's a man. There's so we many, like good questions. There's so many ways that we could go here with this. I kind of already touched on this from the Torah babies perspective. They say I want to read this part again just so that we can get get it afresh in our minds. They say uh, many of these people, uh, they're talking about the people in the Hebrew Roots movement, they say many of these people are kind, loving, and compassionate. But as part of the course, then they go on. Lo- kind, loving, and compassionate. It's this word loving that I want to focus on a little bit today. God, we- is, God is kind, loving, and compassionate. <clears throat> yes, right? he is. That's Exodus 34. I wonder, but the, but to me, what it sounds like they're saying is is uh, kind, loving, and compassionate means being pushovers. Thank you. That's what we need to get to. That's the issue. And to me, especially for someone like yourself, Rob, who's in a leadership position at a congregation, I think it's even more so. You have to be able to to defend, to shepherd, protect uh, those within the flock. Um, you know, luckily I'm not in a leadership position that way. Uh, thank the Lord. And I hope I stay that way. Um, I, I much 
would much rather have the leadership that I have uh, submitted to in place over me as opposed to having to worry about protecting. Okay, yeah. here, here's a point. Here's a point. You just talked about authority. Yes. I look at it this way. There's people who are yes people. I used to, back when I lived in Linwood, I was part of a community that just said yes to so many things. Different people coming in. This is like year 2000, early 2000s. Brought in different messianic teachers who were had different books they were selling and different things. And that was like, for if you're on the consuming end and you're just you're riding this high excitement wave, oh yeah, yeah, everything's yes. <clears throat> but the fruit, it it totally bore bad fruit over the years following. Yeah, of course. But why? Because there was no one there to say no. No one knew when to say no. So it was yes, 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 yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh yes, that too. Yeah, I guess. I don't really know. Yeah, sure. It was a bunch of that, and it was all happy people being loving and kind to each other. Patting each other on the back. But you, who says no? Here's a question. If you're a disciple of Yeshua, you should be able to look back in your life, and you should be able to see where someone else, either the Lord by the power of the Spirit directly making it clear to you no, or other people, other believers telling you no, usually elders. It could be your own family. It could be someone outside your family. Giving you, putting up a boundary and saying no on the word of God, they're telling you no. If you've never received that kind of uh, discipline, or if you, or if someone told you no and you re- you just moved on to somewhere else where you get a yes, because you then then you are not a disciple. A disciple is a person who is told maybe yes we should maybe no. wait maybe we shouldn't say that yes and no but maybe we shouldn't say that maybe what we should say is you are not being the kind of disciple that we see in the bible right there because i no, i'm if not you, no if you reject if you reject correction you are not a disciple you are a b-a-s-t-a-r-d you are not a son wow I, that's 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 hebrews that's proverbs that's hebrews 12 okay hang on just a sec I got scripture for you, brother. Okay, Hebrews twelve. Let's go to it. Hang Hebrews on, just twelve. A okay, hang on. I'm I'm getting there. Man, I have so many things open here; it's ridiculous. I'll read Hebrews twelve, starting with verse five, twelve go. five, and following. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons, as children. Quote from Proverbs three: My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Further, we had earthly fathers to, to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peace, peaceful fruit of righteousness. And then it goes on to talk about Esau. 
if you go down to verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That's the root that these people are, this cancer, it needs to be rooted out. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Right? This is what it means when he says, Jacob, I have loved Esau, I have hated. Okay, hang on. We're going to go there in a few seconds. We're going to go there in a few seconds. Okay. Um, let's go back to love real quick, though. I don't want to get off this quite yet because here's the question I'd have for, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, to put down what Torah Babies has said. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I haven't read any of their stuff except for this one letter. So, you know, they, they might be right on in what they're saying. I haven't seen what spurred this either. So, I don't know, but groups like Torah Babies, even myself, okay, when when I when I talk about these kind of things, when we talk about love, what are we talking about? Because I kind of get the the feeling, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm I'm willing to be to be shown especially wrong when it comes to Torah Babies because I don't even know who runs that or, or outfit. You know, uh, it could be somebody in my in my own congregation. I have no clue. Um, but the question that I would have, what do you see as love? You know. Um, when you got somebody who's uh, putting strychnine into the water source, is it loving to just not say anything? Right. That's it, the yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's, or, that's that's actual hatred <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. To refuse to 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 not stand up and be <clears throat> vigilant for the truth is, is that's not love. God, that no, you're going to be that. That's that. That would be like. Okay, right now it's been a while since our kids were little, but we have a puppy dog. Okay, so the puppy dog loves to run around the backyard, but we have a fence. Why do we have a fence? Because if we didn't have a fence, that dog would be bolt out into the street and he'd probably get hit by a car. Yep. Okay, so we need to be able we need to have limits. We need to say no. Same thing with kids, right? Caleb, I know you've got little ones. You don't just leave yeah. the front door unlocked and say Okay, go ahead. Oh, no. oh, you want to? Oh, you want to walk down the street? Oh, how cute! Look, no, you need to. You need to protect life. Life needs protection. Why? Just like we read in Hebrews, we're going to part, participate in the holiness in our life, but only if we've been corrected. God can't. God can't endure the present. You can't. You can't just have a bunch of sin. And um, not confess it or think, oh, I'm not a sinner, and then imagine or presume that you're gonna, uh, that God's gonna hear your prayers, right? I mean, there's... you just you just spurred something for me. Oh, look at this, man. We got Spurgeon. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna go off topic. Can I go off topic for a few seconds? Oh yeah, well, we're all. I'm all about going off topic. <laughs> okay. Christmas, Christmas. Is it is it just me, or is this the one holiday? I guess it's not. There's other. I guess Easter is kind of one too. But Christmas is the main holiday where normally good protective parents decide that they should hand their child to a stranger dressed up in a costume <laughs> that they don't know, even if their kid is crying. How does that make any sense? Anyway, okay. Well, let's let's play a sound effect here. An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Okay, so we're going to go to hatred here in a few seconds. We talked about love for a few seconds. 
I want to consult the notes here. Um, of course it is. Well, the, <laughs> Jacob, I loved Isa, I hated. Go. What, what do you mean? How does God love someone and hate someone else? I thought God just loves everybody. The Bible says God is love. So Yeah, but real love cannot be true love unless there's justice and unless the, to, for the, un, you know, unless there's justice. You can't have love without justice because that's not love. Mm-hmm. God has okay. to be, God has to be a just God or else he can't be love. One of the places that, well, of course we know the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. That's a 24 seven commandment, by the way, that's all the time. Exodus 20, the, the 10 words, verses five and six, you shall not worship other gods or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Okay. Hang but, on, just... sh- but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay. Hang on. Um, you That's just... from Exodus 20. Yeah. You just triggered something else here. So this is, uh, this so love is... and hate that we need to look at places where, okay, wait, contrast. wait, let's, let's do this the right way. I'm sorry. Let's do this the right way. Should we open up the uh, mailbag real quick? I feel like we should. Here we go. Sure. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Okay. So this from Gary Murphy. I'm going to tie two emails into what you just said. Okay, this that's from, fine. I'm this, all about rabbit trails. This from our no. This is this is exactly what you're talking about. This from Gary. Three different places. This uh, this is a, what he says now. Three different places. The scripture uh, in scripture it talks about God hating Esau. I'm now being told that hate doesn't really mean the same thing it means today. To me, it's pretty simple since that exact same Hebrew word in Malachi 1.3, hated, is found 11 more times, three of them in Psalms 119. Got any insight in this matter you could share with me? Okay, and then, hang on, I got another one for you. Uh, Then Andre, our buddy Andre, says uh, Deuteronomy 6.20 through 25, it will be righteousness for us. How does this passage accord with Reformation and biblical notion of righteousness by faith? This might be a different question. He says, to what extent can we understand visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation to be simply the way God has created man to be influenced by multiple past generations and to influence multiple future generations rather than God actively acting to visit the iniquities? In other words, is this describing a principle of nature slash creation or is this an active work of God? How uh, and how should that passage be understood in contrast to showing love and kindness to thousands of generations of them that keep my excellent. commandments and love me? That is, I, I, that's an excellent question that Andre asks. Excellent question that uh, Mr. Murphy asks. Yeah, let's dive in. I think that to speak to Andre's point, he asks, is this built into creation, or is God actually enacting this with the contrast between those who hate him and those who love him? That's what I'm <clears> understanding <throat> him as. I don't know if I, I don't know enough to be able to divide those. I think they're both true in that uh, his love overcomes, you see what I mean? His love overcomes whatever negative things are happening in the creation. So you have people that are sinning, and those those sins have multi-generational consequence. It doesn't mean that everybody in every generation to come is um, 
uh, is, uh, what do you call it, predetermined to be slaves to that same sin, but the consequences of the sin have to be uh, dealt with. They have to be confessed. That's why we see in Daniel's prayer, Daniel 9, Nehemiah's prayer, he's confessing, he says, I and my fathers have sinned. Our fathers have sinned. I mean, you have individual righteous Israelites who are confessing the sins of uh, generations leading up to them. And see, what's see, true is that, that, that his, God's love is stronger than and overcomes even the worst that sinful creation has to offer. That's why we have resurrection life. That's why Yeshua rose from the dead. There's, not, there's nothing in creation in the darkness of the sinful world or hell that could hold on to the righteous soul that, it, that is Yeshua. I think that uh, I think that this passage that we find uh, it's we find it twice once in Exodus once in Deuteronomy visiting the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation um, to those who hate me but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who keep my commandments I think that this phrase and the fact that we have it twice especially and and the places that we find them once in ex specifically in the Exodus passage of the covenant it's the covenant uh, it's the covenant passage of Exodus. And then it's reiterated in Deuteronomy, which in my opinion, and I think scholarship is on my side on this, in my opinion, is a re-emphasis or a, uh, a renewal covenant. Of- yeah, it's a bookend. You have the 40 years, right? You have it at the beginning of the 40 years, Exodus 20, and then the end, Deuteronomy 5. Well, I think, that, of- I think that at the, in the Exodus passage, which, and, and of course, um, uh, Merid- Dr. Meredith Klein wrote on this before he, he passed, uh, extens- extensively in his book, uh, uh, The Treaty of the Great King, um, he argues that Exodus, the Exodus passage of the Ten Words is actually a suzerain vassal treaty, and that uh, Deuteronomy is a renewal treaty. So you'll see a couple of things different. It's more laid out, all these kind of things. Um, but I think that this this wording that you have here is very specific to a suzerain vassal treaty. So when he says... And I think that we need to think of it in that context. I've talked about this before, so a lot of people are. You can go get a. You could Google it. Yeah, go get a sandwich somewhere or something. Um, yes, you could Google it. You can Google it. Um, the thing is, is that I think that the the uh, <laughs> I think the language used here is that, and I could be off on this, but I think basically what he's saying is. If a person rejects me, who is under covenant obligation, um, their child then is still under covenant obligation to the third and fourth generation. You're not cut. You're not. You know. You will still. Even if your father rejects this, if you reject it, you will have the same uh, covenant obligations. And if you don't keep them, the curses will come upon you too. Um, to the third and fourth generation, right? But showing loving kindness—that is the benefits of the of the covenant to a thousandth generation. Um, and Meredith Klein gets into this uh, and is much more eloquent about it, of course, than I could ever be. Um, so I recommend that book for you. Okay, so back to uh, Gary's question. The three different places in Scripture it talks about hate, hating Esau. Does hate mean hate here? Go. <laughs> Does hate mean hate? Yeah. What do you mean? Does God actually hate? Does he actually hate Esau? Yeah. Yeah, I think he does too. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if we remember, Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. We have the word pair, love and hate. <clears throat> Here's another. Can I read some more scripture? Yeah, of course. Leviticus 19, starting with 13. You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your Elohim. I am Yodhivave. You shall not do, or you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. That's but Zedek, in, in with Zedek, with justice. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. You are not to act against the life of your neighbor, for I am Yodhivave. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yodhivave. So this again, we have okay. all these all these mishpatim, these examples. Are, or these general commandments are examples of what it means to love and not hate, right? So I see you shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart means you shall not do any of these things that you, that means you're not going to be a slanderer. You're not going to act against his life. You, you're not going to do injustice. You're not going to oppress him, right? These are all types of hatred. And it says you will surely reprove him. So if you see someone doing these things, you need to tell them about it, but you're not going to incur sin yourself. You're not going to be tempted to fall into sin. And then he says, he wraps it all up, says, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And Yeshua gives, you know, he unpacks this commandment when, with the, with the story of the Samaritan. You have the, the guy who's been beaten up and left for dead. He's been robbed. And then... The, the, the priest, the Levite walk by and they avoid him. They're showing hatred where the Samaritan comes and shows love. <clears throat> okay, I want to read from the chat room real quick because we got some good things going on in here. The, so for those who might not know, our our chat room, our chat room is also <clears throat> our control room. So so Gary in the control room is also chatting with the one person that we currently have. <laughs> Michael's in there too. Anyway, okay, so uh, Gary says, Paul quotes uh, it directly from the Septuagint. Um, so he says, uh, I'm going to go to a comment below. Malachi 1, 2 through 3, and that says, The oracle of the word of the Lord of Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. And uh, then... Uh, he says, uh, Gary says he doesn't choose him. And then our friend Derek says, I think in some cases, at least the term hate connotes being passed over in regard to chosenness. I think, oh I yeah, think, I think that's yeah. right. So this, this whole context is covenant. The greatest commandment is love. It's so contrary to our today's idea of, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, love is something I go out there and I discover, and it's based on my emotions. No, this is it's, a, a com it's a commandment. And so the way I think of it is, it, and Derek's right on, covenant context. 
and I what I just typed is a framework for enduring blessed relationship, for lasting, enduring covenant relationship. That's it's eternal life. That's why another passage, First John three. I, th- I think we know, that I, go ahead. Let me share this passage. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So we're talking about eternal life, and eternal life means you're in covenant with the cre- with yeah. God the Father, with yeah. the Father, Son, and Ruach HaKodesh. You are in relation, you are an, you are an enduring, eternal, blessed covenant relationship with the triune God. I feel like today in the modern uh, modern church slash believing world, the word love means one thing to them, whereas in actuality, love means a multiple of things put together into one, just like salvation. Exactly. When, when people say, when people say you're saved by faith, well, salvation is not just faith. Salvation is faith, sanctification, the continual work of Messiah on your behalf in the in the uh, heavenly places, in the in the courtroom of the Most High God, right? So it's not just a I say the prayer and I'm done, and now I have salvation. Salvation is an ongoing, continual thing in our lives, um, and it's the same with love. Love is not just this warm feeling that you have towards somebody else. Um, no, it. it it's uh, wrapped up in protection, in justice, in, uh, you know, all these d- different aspects come in to make one thing, which is love. Well, think about here's Here's some, pro, uh, well, some scriptures. <clears throat> Psalm 119. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your Torah. So here again, we have love and hate in the same passage, contrasted. If you love God's Torah, then that means it defines what you will hate. Right? Yeah. You got one more for me, or am I am I I've got free? a whole, I've got a whole bunch. <laughs> well, Gary does too. Our control room, our control room is also very good at uh, coming coming up with uh, scriptures. We've so, got uh, uh, Proverbs one twenty eight. That then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated that. They hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. Hmm. So this is a here's the thing about hate. It's a conscious rejection. It's it's hate is when you have knowledge of it. And you reject it anyway. And you reject it. Yeah. It's like that's why Esau back to Hebrews. 12 and and um, how Paul quotes Jacob I loved Esau I hated it's people who had knowledge of the truth but hated it and rejected it they rejected it and they sin of uh, the high hands right yeah 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 I don't think you yeah yeah I think that but then we're told to love our neighbors and love our enemies why is this? Is because we, because God's going to choose people from all nations. If I just have a set up rule of no, sorry, uh, your we our community has rules. 
and you're just there's no way you're just there's no way you could ever uh, be part of us. That is that's prejudging somebody, right? Yeah. We, the command to love your enemies is to hold on to hope that God's word will bear fruit in the in the life of someone who doesn't necessarily fit with your present social uh, structure. That's why the Torah talks about loving the gear, loving the 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 stranger. That's why Yeshua says, "Love your enemies," because in, to be like your heavenly Father means that you are you are, and sometimes risking your own life for the sake of the Word of God, that in hope that the seed of the Word of God will reach more people, people outside your comfort zone, people that it would be just as easy to lock up your door and say, no, no, you're out of here and write them off. It's tough. It's love is true. Love is not easy. Yeah, true no love is not true. Love is not as much as I, uh, sorry for me to say it is not a sip of good coffee. <laughs> Ooh, now now true, we're hitting on, yeah, now we're hitting on words. Yeah. <laughs> True love is difficult, and it takes persevering faith to learn what true love is. You can't, you, you can't ever really grow into knowledge of, of true love if you don't persevere. Yeah. That's my view. Okay, are we ready for a different question? Because I got another question from somebody. Sure. My buddy Robbie says, question, can traditions, traditions of the elders oral law and rabbinic law all be used interchangeably? Read it one more time. That's an excellent question. I just want to make sure I got the three right. Can traditions, traditions of the elders, oral law, and rabbinic law all be used interchangeably? I wanted to bring this up to you Who because... Who asked that question? My buddy Robbie. That is an awesome question. Can I take that one? Yeah, go. No, absolutely not. If you look at particularly rabbinic works translated into English, they'll take this this Hebrew phrase Torah Shabbat Peh and translate it as capital O oral capital T law, and they'll put a the in front of it, the oral law. That's that's an invention of rabbinic imagination post destruction. It doesn't emerge till third fourth century. An ideology of Oh, by the way, Moshe received two Torahs at Mount Sinai, one oral, which is what we have, <laughs> and the one written, <laughs> which, which we all have. And you're not going to be able to understand the written unless you come to us, and we're the explainers. That, that doesn't exist in the first century. In the first century, you have multiple oral traditions. You have the traditions, whatever the Essenes talked about when they read the scriptures and applied halakhic standards. Dead Sea Scrolls community. The Samaritans had their oral story. This, what's this? The Samaritan oral tradition is that they are true Israel, and that Mount Gerizim should be where the worship is. That's their. That is their tradition. Now, the so generally, and every culture has an oral, has oral elements. So the oral tradition is not at all the same. There is no such thing as oral law. That's a that's. That's much later, right? That's a rabbinic, usually an English translation of Torah Shabbat Al-Peh, Torah that is on the mouth. And then finally, there is the tradition of the elders. 
the tradition of the elders we do have in the Second Temple period. Paul talks about uh, the tradition of the fathers, and I think in Galatians, uh, Yeshua in Matthew 15, Mark 7, the tradition of the elders. That is uh, not envisioned at, from those sources. It's not envisioned as going back to Sinai. It's uh, more recent uh, innovations that are uh, sometimes contrary to the Word of God. So, um, and then Paul talks, Paradosis, he uses traditions, as I've delivered them to you, I think, in Thessalonians. Um, as I have received, so I have handed over to you in, is that in 1 Corinthians 15, I think. So, we need to, these are, excellent question, I love this question. I hate it when people don't ask this question. No, I'm getting hate and love, I had to throw that in there. Great question, they're not the same at all. Anybody who's conflating them is they're they're doing a disservice to education. They're it's uh they're actually causing people to be more dumb, meaning they're they're uh, concealing things that need to be sh- clearly shown and out on the table. So uh, traditions of the elders, oral law, and uh, whatever, rabbinic tradition, I don't remember the, the things, but they're not the same at all. Not the same at all. Here, even, even if we just go to rabbinic world, let's just narrow down to the early rabbinic world. You have different Mishnayot. You have the Mishnah of Rabbi Kiva. You have the Mishnahs of Rabbi Ishmael. You, you have different traditions that Yehuda Hanasi, the story goes, takes at the, in the early, you know, third century and starts to sift through these and put them together. And so you have the, a major tradition, the halakha, and then you usually have the, a minority um, alternative interpretation preserved, even though it's not the halakha. So we can see, um, even in the early rabbinic movement alone, that what is called the halakha, capital H, is uh, the, the result of much sifting of various uh, strands of tradition that uh, emerge post-70. So, excellent question. I know I talked a lot about it, but I hope that's helpful. You're doing good. Okay. Uh, I should have said this, too. Oh, man. Hang on. Okay, this will take me just a second here, so give me just a second. Okay, from uh, in the beginning, I should have told everybody this. Uh, th- you guys can uh, call us and tell us how much you agree with us, disagree with us, whatever. Uh, we got a comment line. The comment line is 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you again. It's 253-465-3205. We I- need, we, just footnote, can someone come up with a jingle for our line? So we just play the jingle. Two five three, like, yeah. Two five three four six five three two oh five. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I now I'm gonna say something that will absolutely and totally shock. Oh. I would say the the majority of our listeners. Okay, and that is there. Can I do are, the drum roll. There are some people <laughs> who really don't like us. How rude! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. 
Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. Okay, so uh, as many of you might know, last week we uh, we each had cups from YeshuaShirts.com. They had sent us some shirts or some uh, some cups to to drink out of online and promote their uh, their brands. And by the way, if if you would like some uh, high quality good shirts, you can go to YeshuaShirts.com and buy them. So we have a person who absolutely loathes, despises, and hates us. Uh, with a passion, and so much so that this person, I give you his name, his name's Christopher. Christopher actually trolls our show every single week looking for things. I I disabled comments on our YouTube videos because uh, Christopher kept (laughs) uh, posting just nonsense, uh, always the same verbiage, everything. Uh, So Christopher decided that it would be a great idea, instead of trolling us this week, to troll Yeshua shirts. Uh, and and try to disparage me to Yeshua shirts. Little did he know that I'm really good friends. Speaking, speaking of, there you go. Yes, Yeshua shirts. So listen to this. And my buddy over at Yeshua shirts, uh, he he sent this to me. I I I gotta read it because it's just so good. Thank you, Christopher, for the uh, continued amusement that you give me and my friends. Uh, Christopher writes into Yeshua shirts and says. I heard about your shirts on the Caleb Hag program. When I emailed him, he said they were bad quality and to order Yeshua shirts on Cafe Press instead. I want to know about the quality of your shirts. My pastor was attacked by Caleb Hag with some untruths, so I am skeptical and I have to get both sides of the argument. So far, so far, this has happened with his attacks on other others after endorsing them. And I'm not sure about his character, but he has been right about some, so I keep listening. So let me know about the shirts. <laughs> Let's just pause for a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Can we just savor? Yes. The iniquity. That is just, that is just, <laughs> I, I can't even... I, I guess I can believe it because we've seen multiple things in the past years. Um, it's been a while, though, to my knowledge. Well, Christopher, may, for those who might remember our show back at like show 58 or something like that, uh, Christopher decided to, on his own website, make a fake uh, profile for Rob and then comment as if Rob was commenting on his page. And, of course, when we yeah, called I him on it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the best part, perhaps, is, is my friend's response. He, he he responds and he says, what an interesting message. <laughs> this is his response to Christopher. What an interesting message. So Caleb, my brother from another mother, who still wears the shirt I gave him three years ago, has a room in his house named after me. This is true. This, folks, is true. Uh, this uh, Steve was the first person to stay in our guest room when we bought our new house. Our son at the time, I think, was two and a half, and he just started calling it Steve's room. To this day, we still call it Steve's room, even though tons of people have stayed in that room since. It's still referred to as Steve's room. Can I go play in Steve's room? My Legos are in Steve's room, etc., etc. I love it. And promotes our website on his podcast. Told you our shirts are bad quality. Newman, are, are you sure you emailed the right Caleb Hag? 
<laughs> oh. Anyway, so the whole reason I bring this up is because, uh, it, well, obviously because I think it's hilarious and uh, it brought me much joy this this week uh, to see. Well, here's the, okay. Interject. Truth, go. Truth and falsehood. Yes. Genuine discernment comes oh. from being real. Okay. You know, okay. Abiding wait. in the love, abiding in in brotherly love. Yes. You see these, these counterfeits just like it's almost like you've got to be real. You got to like be kidding me that you actually think you're going to pull this off. <laughs> it is pretty funny. This one time. Okay. Can I tell you this? This one time. This was this was also a wonderful uh, Christopher move. Christopher commented on one of our videos under a fake profile on on Google Plus. I knew it was him. And so I wrote a response and just said, they all have like the same. uh same words and everything, yeah. And, yeah a, and and so I write back and I say, Christopher, please, please, uh, you know, quit using fake profiles to comment on my YouTube page. And he wrote back and he was like, "This isn't Christopher," blah blah blah. But he forgot to switch back to the fake profile, so it came through on his normal account, and I still have the email. Anyway, I bring this oh, all I, up. I saved. I have a whole bunch of back and forths uh, with screenshots where he he had a claim that he had translated Maccabees from the original Hebrew, from the Dead Sea Scrolls, and he's like, "Got this thing on the internet," and I'm like. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, hang on, goodness. hang on. Wait. I'm not just trying to disparage this guy. There's a reason I brought all this up. First of all, the reason why is because you said it discernment and listen to this. So I've been getting more emails about this Lapid, Lapid Judaism, Messianic Judaism. And this is where I'm going with this because Christopher has basically taken it upon himself to make like Lapid radio or whatever. And, um, what happened to his old radio? Did that he uh, had it, part S? Yeah, it, well, it it morphed into it morphed into Lapid, essentially. So th this is a movement, and this isn't just Christopher. This is a bunch of people. Uh, Mordecai Griffin is the guy who basically started this Lapid movement. Uh, basically, what they are trying to do, they are trying to be Hasidic Jews, Hasidic Messianic Jews is what they're trying to do. So they're bringing in a lot of like the Zohar. Mm -hmm mysticism, all sorts of stuff. Um, but listen, to, so this is from uh, a guy on, I got this off of, uh, of Facebook. His name's Ron Schwartz. This is open source, so I figure that he's, you know, putting it out there to the world. We should be able to talk about it. He says, Yeshua-centered Judaism. So this is about halfway through his little article here. He said, Lapid as a movement is Yeshua-centered Judaism. Many Messianics are unaware that it is possible to be a Torah true observant. That, that's in quote marks, by the way. Torah true observant, end quote, Orthodox Jew in most respects and a Yeshua Messiah disciple. Unlike what Messianic, uh, unlike what Messianic teach, it should be Messianics teach, Torah observant, Judaism and living a Yeshua-centered life is not mutually exclusive. Lapid Jewish believers observe the Torah in the same manner that Yeshua Messiah and his disciples did. So this is apparently mysticism Judaism is what they think Yeshua, how they think Yeshua li lived. This, uh, I'm going on now with this man's article, this leads to, to a Yeshua-centered Orthodox Jewish lifestyle. This is all, I mean, this is so convoluted, it's it's unbelievable. Lapidic Jews are faithful to the Talmud and connect it and the Torah to the life of Yeshua-centered Judaism. 
what is called the Old and New Covenant are practiced as a single covenant, which is exactly how Yeshua Messiah taught. That's right. Yeshua kept the Talmud, I think. <laughs> uh, so he goes on down here. Caleb, it, when, when, Kate, when Yeshua was 12 and he was in the temple talking with the sages, they, I were, know. Studying, they were studying Gemara. Uh, yeah, were, that was the Daf Yomi, mm, the, the mm-hmm. Talmud page for the day. Okay, this, there's a kicker at the end of this. Now, now, the whole point of this is, is discernment. I want people to realize that this Lapidic Judaism is absolute nonsense. The idea that, that uh, Yeshua and his disciples were pushing and living out Talmud, or that the Zohar is in any way connected with first century Judaism, yeah. is absolutely asinine. And uh, to think this is is simply not true. Um, so he goes on here, is Lapidic, Lapidic, is Lapid Orthodox, sorry. And he says, Lapidic is generally speaking Orthodox Judaism that adheres to the guidelines of Talmudic law. However, because Lapid's, uh, Lapidics seek to live Yeshua Messiah-centered lives, true Orthodox Jews would disagree. It is much easier to say Lapidic Jews are Torah observant. Now here's the kicker for you, Rob. The Talmud teaches that the reason why Jews were exiled is to spread Judaism around the world, which many Jews have done. What Judaism has not been as successful with is the converting of all nations to Judaism. Lapidic Jews believe, pursues, and practices conversion to Judaism. If you'd like to know more about conversion and or what it means to live authentically Jewish lives as Yeshua and the first generation of true Christians, then send I, us your money. Yeah, then I recommend then I recommend connecting with the following contacts. And then of course they uh, reference Sar Shalom, which is down in Texas, Yochanan, John Turbeville, and Mordecai Griffin. Of course, wow. both rabbis, I'm sure. Zakane, yeah, you know what? Here's you know. The, this is the thing. The word Judaism doesn't occur in the Talmud. So why are they saying the Talmud promotes what says the Jews were, were exiled to spread Judaism through the world? That's a myth. That's yes. a myth, and it's not, a, not even in the Talmud. These guys, the, these guys are leading people down a dark alley What's in, dead end. This is that, my this is my point in bringing the I, this is the connection between you know bringing up Christopher's email to Yeshua shirts, uh, Mordecai Griffin, and then this guy. Uh, you know, I've looked, I watched the entire debate between uh, uh, Asher Meza and the uh, Mordecai Griffin's student uh, who's opening a Lapid house in I don't know where. Anyway, um, I watched that whole thing. Here's the thing that I continually get from the Lapid movement. There is a very little amount of, of uh, honest study, being honest with texts and being honest with, you know. They don't have any teachers. And there's a total they, they they, and complete lack of discernment. <laughs> there's no discernment whatsoever in this at all. They're just, they're just off the rails. Yeah. So... For those who continue to uh, email me and ask me about the Lapid Messianic Judaism, it's ridiculous. It's not honest with any. It's not honest with history, and it's not honest. They're just with, trying to create a brand. They're trying to create a new true. brand and sell that's product. That's they true. want to convert people to a dead end road. <laughs> yes, but of course, I'm sure I will be labeled as not. Loving. Become, here, here's what I would encourage all our listeners to do. Be a disciple of Yeshua. 
Plot don't out. Call, don't call any man rabbi. Yeah. Be a disciple of Yeshua. He promises. Call Yeshua you, rabbi. Call Yeshua your rabbi, your only rabbi. Have his words abiding in you, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Don't yes. take my word for it. Don't take Caleb's word for it. Buy a Bible and read it. Read it, read it, read it. Get his words in you. Buy a red-letter Bible and just memorize all the red-lettered parts. <laughs> get, get Yeshua's word in you. Be I have disciple. I had one more thing. We've been going now. now I'll save this, I think, for next, for next uh, time. But maybe actually, uh, here, I'll tell you what. Let's read a little bit more scripture. I'll, let's ask our, our listeners what they think of this. And I'll ask you too, okay? Give me just a second. We're going to go to John 6 here. John 6, about 41 and following. Now, remember at the beginning of John 6, uh, we have this phrase that uh, Michael Rood tried to throw out of his Bible. Uh, now, the, the time of the, uh, or the, the festival of the Passover was near, um, and Yeshua takes, uh, so I'm going to set the scene for you because I'm, I'm jumping in 40, 41 verses in here. Um, and there's a reason I'm asking this. This has to do not only with my thesis, but uh, with a book that I'm reading right now, which is extremely interesting. Uh, and I dis- I kind of disagree, but I- I've- I'm very interested in-, in various people's views on this text. Now, remember, Passover's near. I think that that is specifically there for a very specific reason. Um, and-, and I think there's a good reason for it. But then Yeshua, he feeds the 5,000, right, with the fish and the loaves, okay? And uh, then he-, he slips away. He goes away in the boats. And then you have this whole uh, story of in the nighttime, Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water with Yeshua, he looks away, he falls, so on and so forth. The next morning, at least it seems like we're talking about the next morning, the Jews get in the boats, come across, uh, and find him again, and then they have this conversation. I'm going to read, this is, this is long, but I'm going to read it for you. This is in John 6, 41, therefore... The Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Now, once again, we're still in this Exodus motif, right? He's talking about the manna now that's coming down from heaven during the Exodus. And this is important. I think this is one of the reasons that at the very beginning of John 6, it says that the Passover was near. Because Yeshua is now hitting hitting home all these Passover uh, uh, imagery, right? And remember, this is before his uh, crucifixion as well. They, and it goes on in uh, 642. They were saying, is not this Yeshua, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Yeshua answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that come that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Yeshua said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat 
the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Okay. Here's my question. We seem to have Yeshua talking, certainly in Exodus motifs, okay? He's talking about the bread, the manna that came down from heaven. He bookends this with the, the manna, right? He starts talking about the manna that came down out of heaven in the wilderness. The fathers ate of it. They died. You eat my bread, you're good. And at the very end in 658, he says, this is the bread which came down out of heaven, not, the, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats of this bread will live forever. So he says this bread, okay? So he bookends this with the idea of manna and bread. But up a little ways in 53 and following, it's almost as if he shifts gears. He talks about eating his, his body and drinking his blood. The manna didn't have anything to drink. And this certainly sounds a lot like the Last Supper when he says, this is my body which is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of me. And when he says, this is the cup which, uh, you know, uh, this is the new covenant in my blood, drink it in remembrance of me, right? So it seems as though he's pulling off this. My question is this, what is Yeshua talking about? Is this a direct correlation to the Last Supper imagery? Or is he talking still about the manna when he says, this is my, uh, eat my flesh, drink my blood? In the John six passage, would you like to comment on that before next week, or do you want to? Well, I think we should talk about it next week. I think there's a par- a deliberate parallel, even in Exodus and Shemot, with the the matzah and the and the manna. Why the manna that came down from heaven wasn't uh, wasn't uh, it had leaven in it? No, it didn't. The manna. The man- a banana does no leaven. It's not. It's not bread. <clears throat> what he calls it bread from heaven. No, I, I know that, but it's but it's not. It's not. Doesn't have leaven in it. Why do you think that? It doesn't say that it was matzah or that it was, you know, unleavened bread. Does it? Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, these are all good things. Let's let's have the uh, let's leave it here because I want I want to hear what people have to say about this. Send us emails so that you, uh, and tell me what you think about this uh, because I I'm I'm deep in uh, in study on this passage right now. Uh, I'm I'm looking at all different commentaries. I'm looking at all different uh, books on this on this passage and on the Lord's Supper and whatnot. And so it's very interesting to me. I would like to know what our listeners think. Tell me tell me your expert opinions, people. Uh, I want to know them. Anything else before we go, Rob? Um, no, no. Um, that's we could talk about that tomorrow or uh, next. Next time we'll talk about the manna, but the manna is, yeah, there's, I, I think there's parallel because the bread they have on both sides, it's also bookended with matzah, right? They have matzah when they leave Egypt, they eat manna 
before they even given the Torah, they, they're given manna for 40 years. And then the other bookend is when Joshua reenacts the, Exodus. Uh, the covenant, circumcision, Passover, and they eat matzah. And the manna ceases. I think I think that we're supposed to think of those Synony- synonymously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, not that they're exactly. You're you're, tra- you're tracking on the same idea that I have. Yeah. That, that, we we uh, can talk about this next week. Sure. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> until next week. Next week we'll be back on Wednesday in the uh, in the AM at 10 AM Pacific Standard Time, and uh, we will have another wonderful show for you. We hope. And uh, the chat room will once again be open. Thanks to what the two people in the chat one person one person that's not a, a staff member at Torah resource in the chat room Derek thanks for being with us and uh, we hope that everyone has enjoyed it I would like you to send me emails chag at torahresource.com give me your opinions on uh, this John 6 passage also give us a call you can call the comment line 253-465-3205 that's 253-465-3205 and we will expect to get so- have somebody make us a jingle for that uh, that as well until next time we hope that this has uh, conversation in some way has glorified our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah Yeshua the Messiah